Welcome back. And here we are. Welcome back to the Sue Jeffers Show. I'm Rob Dorr. And I'm Brian Strauser. We're not Sue Jeffers. We wish Sue well. 651-989-5855. I believe Sue will be back next week. So you guys only have one more hour that you have to put up with us. It's going to be a fun hour, though. We're going to talk about our favorite topic, which is guns and gun control and pro-gun legislation. All right. Special thanks to uh, Representative Randy Jessup for giving his perspective on uh, some school safety, some things that we can all agree on. I think that was a really great uh, conversation, and he's got some great bills that he's introduced there. So we should point out there's another event going on this weekend at the Minnesota State Fairgrounds, uh, just north of St. Paul which is one of the largest gun shows of the year, the Minnesota Weapon Collectors Association's Coliseum Show. It's at the State Fair Coliseum from 9 to 5 today and 9 to 3 tomorrow. Yeah, so I will be out there tomorrow. Uh, if you want to come meet me and say hi, I will be there working our table. We've got our petition there to sign up to try to defeat uh, one of the bills that we're about to talk about here. Also, we have uh, some shirts there, some buttons. You can come uh, join as a member. If you like what you hear uh, from Brian and I, or if you don't and you want to yell at us and uh, make us listen to you, you can join as a member of the Gun Owners Caucus at Gun Owners so we have a ton of anti-gun legislation that has come swinging into minnesota and one of the things i think we're doing that we are doing to counter that on april 28th is a huge rally on the south capitol steps of the minnesota state capitol complex in st paul we're doing this with the republican national committee the minnesota republican party the and the national rifle association yep uh, and other gun rights groups, and this is April 28th from 12 o'clock to 2 o'clock, again, at the state capitol on the south capitol steps. And th- this date, April 28th, is a really important one. Uh, the The final deadline is April 20th. And what happens after the final deadline is that's when all the wheeling and dealing starts. That's when they start crafting the omnibus bills and they start uh, getting trying to sneak languages language in via amendments and things like that. So we want to have a very strong show of force of Minnesota law abiding Minnesota gun owners who want to show the legislature that we are there, we are paying attention and we don't want their gun control. So let's talk about some of that gun control legislation, Rob. All right. There's a few. Let's talk about that. I think the worst bill that's been introduced this year is House File 3022 from Representative Linda Slocum. She's from Richfield. Uh, she is a progressive DFL liberal and clearly knows nothing about guns <laughs> at all. I, this this bill, this has gotten our people more fired up than anything I've ever seen. We got calls from help from our sister organization in California <laughs> wanting to know how they could stop this bill. Yeah, when you are when you have California offering you help on how to stop gun control, you, you know things are bad. You're in a bad spot. Well, this bill, if it passed, it would make us worse than California. Yes. Uh, it would make our climate for law-abiding gun owners worse than California. This bill treats semi-automatic rifles, shotguns, and handguns more strictly than the federal government has treated machine guns since 1938. How's that? Crazy. 651-989-5855. Call in if you have opinions about needing to register every firearm that you own. Let's talk about what this bill does. This bill takes every, almost every, semi-automatic rifle, shotgun, and handgun and redefines it as an assault weapon under Minnesota law. But I get to keep it, right? If you purchased it prior to February 1st, you can keep it if 
you register it according to a process defined by your local police department. Pay a fee set by your local city council. What's the max of that fee? There is no max. Oh, great. So the city of Minneapolis will clearly set this at... A billion dollars. Some ridiculous number. You will store it in a method and manner prescribed by your local police department. And all police chiefs are super friendly towards gun rights, right? All police chiefs are friendly, or at least (laughs) mine is. But I picked my city carefully. Right. And... You, for all of this, after you pay a fee and you register it and you store it the way you're told to, you will allow law enforcement at any point in time without a warrant to visit your home and make sure that you're storing it the way that they've told you to. Great. Okay. Well, all of this data, sure. I mean, if they're gathering all of this information, my privacy is going to be protected, right? No, the bill makes all information about gun owners public. So, so criminals can go and... Through a data request, find every gun owner in their city and create a create a shopping list. What guns they own, where they live, and, and maybe with this inspection, even where they're stored. Just really Man, cut cut the cut the time down. I really want another Noveski AR-15. <laughs> Rob's got one. Rob's, shh. Okay, so all right, so let's say we do all of that. You know, surely that's going to be enough. Now. With my collection of all of these registered firearms, I can leave them to my kids, right? I went through all of this pain and suffering and registration, paid my fees. I'm a good law-abiding uh, gun owner, you know, thankfully at the heels of government, thanking them for the rights that they allow me to have. I can pass these guns down to my kids, right? Mm-hmm, sure. During your lifetime, you can possess this firearm on your property, going to and from a gun shop to have it repaired, or going to and from a range. You cannot hunt with it. What? No. And when you die, oh, you cannot sell it. You cannot transfer it. You cannot acquire any more. You cannot take it out of state. And when you die, you your heirs will turn it over to law enforcement who will then destroy it. Fantastic. So, so in my safe, just for perspective, I have a World War II uh, M1 carbine that I saved from the Minneapolis police shredder at a gun <laughs> buyback, or rather a friend of mine did. It's a collector's item. It's, what, 70-some years old? I'd like to leave it to my kids. No. It's an assault weapon. It's an assault weapon under this law. Fantastic. So, you know, that one's definitely, I, I mean, you, you heard my hyperbole there. I apologize. But it's, it's this is just ridiculous. Now, there, there's more in that bill we won't get into the rest. I, I, we, That's we could, kind of the yeah, big component. We could be spending the rest of the hour tearing apart that bill, and, and I'm not exaggerating there. Another bill that was introduced this week as a part of a, uh, a gun control group that's been meeting secretly in the in Minnesota DFL Senate organization uh, is from Senator Scott Dibble, who has never met a gun control bill that he didn't like, and that's Senate File 3331. I want it to, to be 6661 so badly. <laughs> 3331, which is a magazine ban. He redefines a high, he redefines, uh, or he defines rather magazines that hold more than 10 rounds as a large capacity magazine. And if you own it prior to March 1st, you can keep it. But if you want to keep it, you will register it. You will register it with your local police, pay a fee that they set. You will store it for every magazine. For every magazine. I talked to a friend of mine who, um, is is a collector of rifles who literally told me he has a thousand AR 15 magazines. Wow, his fee is going to be nutso. Yeah, why? Why does mine's going to be nutso? Mine's going to be crazy, right? So, yeah, you will allow the police to inspect your home. Oh, yeah, it's all the same things as the rifle, but now it's for magazines, 
and you can't carry them, you can't use them, you you can possess it at your house or at a range, and that's it. You can put and, it up on the wall and smile and, at it. And when you die, you will turn it over to law enforcement to be <laughs> destroyed. destroyed. Yeah. Yeah, so what they're going for here is we talked a little bit earlier about their incrementalism and uh, needing to chip away at things. Uh, that this is just they're they're looking to remove these firearms within a generation or two. That's 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 their plan here. Now we we need to talk about uh, you know we have defeated some of these measures. Uh, we had to hear them in the House Public Safety Policy and Finance Committee because of some rule shenanigans. Shenanigans is an understatement. Right. And uh, uh, maybe maybe later on in the hour I'll talk about exactly what those shenanigans were. But uh, Linda Slocum has pledged to use these same rule shenanigans in order to force a hearing on her bills. She told the Pioneer Press that when they interviewed her about this bill, that she was going to make every effort to have a hearing on this bill. And I can't wait. All right. So after the break, we will be joined by Representative Eric Lucero, who's going to talk about one of his school safety bills and uh, his perspective on that. If you want to join the conversation, 651-989-5855, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Last night I heard this politician talking about his brand new mission. Lacked his plans, but they came undone when it got around to God and guns. Is there a more perfect song than that? Oh, this is fantastic. Bumper? Stan is stepping it up. Welcome back to the Sue Jeffers Show, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130. I'm Rob Dore. And I'm Brian Strouser. We are not Sue Jeffers. Two segments in a row I remember to turn my mic on. I'm feeling a little more professional now. <laughs> there you go. And uh, we wish Sue well. She's at a funeral, and she will be back next weekend. So we've been talking about uh, uh, some school safety things, and uh, you know, Representative Jessup was bringing up some you know, some effective measures that make schools safer overall for a variety of topics, be it natural disasters or school shootings and things like that. That's a great great way to look at it. But we also need to think about what are we actually going to do to protect our kids from these types of events. Joining us now is Representative Eric Lucero, and he has got a potential solution for that. Uh, welcome to the show, Representative Eric Lucero. Well, thank you both, Rob and Brian, for the opportunity to join you today. So real quick, uh, tell us uh, what area you represent and how long have you been uh, in the legislature? So I am in my second term, and I have the privilege of serving the great communities of Albertville, Hanover, Otsego, St. Michael, and the Wright County portion of Dayton. All right. That's, those are some great areas out there. So, um, so yeah, you have been, um, you know, you've been looking at this, uh, this issue. Uh, this year's definitely turned out differently than I think we all expected from a gun rights perspective. Brian and I were expecting that we were going to keep, um, uh, holding the torch and, and pushing the fight for constitutional carry for stand your ground bills that we know that you support. Um, uh, but that, that conversation has changed to uh, school safety and things like that. So wh- how has your take been on that? And, and what are, what are your, some of your solutions? So as a member, of the public safety committee the the gun bills that have been introduced thus far uh, obviously come to our committee and so we've had the uh the privilege or disprivilege depending on how you uh perceive that to have to view or or take a a bill hearings on these bills and have conversations and as this is part of a, a larger nationwide conversation that we're having here in the state of minnesota uh it has unfortunately dominated on how can we 
put more gun restrictions on law-abiding citizens. That's the knee-jerk reaction that's dominating uh, much of the the media these days, and it's very unfortunate. Right. So then uh, it it, it was uh, February 26th that the Star Tribune reported that Governor Dayton, on this very topic, said that he was willing to consider uh, arming school staff. And that, uh, I think, was very important to uh, to add to the conversation. And then again, on March 7th, uh, the governor, in a different uh, press conference, uh, he referenced uh, his previous comments and said that he was open to considering anything and everything. And so I took that as a, a, a positive step in the right direction. If all topics are uh, to be discussed and uh, all uh, information is to be considered, Let's have a conversation on what we might be able to do uh, in terms of uh, stopping threats as soon as possible. Right. And history demonstrates that when there's a threat, and, and in fact, these are your words, yeah. when, when the threat occurs, they are stopped in either one of two ways, either through containment or when force meets force. Right. And the, one of the, the best things that we can do is to have a person that is a law-abiding citizen that has the ability to defend themselves at the point, uh, uh, the earliest point possible, to be able to react to these uh, unfortunate situations. Absolutely, yeah. We know from from experience, uh, unfortunate experience at that, that the faster that effective counterforce arrives, lower the body count is in these types of scenarios. On the FBI's own uh, survey of active shooter incidents, I think it was last updated in 2016 or 2015, makes that point very clear that where there's been faster response, that the number of victims and casualties has been lower overall. And, and I think we also know that this there's this myth that law-abiding citizens, you know, non-law enforcement personnel, never stop mass shooting incidents. And we know that's not true. There's right. been multiple incidents documented where citizens have been able to stop these kind of situations. No, that that's exactly right. So uh, with that background, what I did is I, I introduced a bill, and it is House File 3286, and it is titled A Bill for an Act Relating to Public Safety Allowing uh, Permitted and Trained School Staff to Carry Firearms. Okay. Now, we know that we have a very good uh, permit to carry law here in the state of Minnesota. I believe it's approximately 15 years old, and uh, it, it has worked really well. And I recall the conversations that took place, uh, you know, back roughly 2003 time frame, that there would be, it'd be a wild, wild west, and uh, yeah, things... Shootouts would... over parking spaces, yeah. yeah exactly. I remember that. What's that happened, is... right? <laughs> no, they didn't? Wow. But that has proven not to be the case. And so with that law, what I wanted to do was, how can we... Uh, use the existing law to parallel it and harness the processes of that law to the extent possible, at the same time uh, not mandate that anybody uh, carry a firearm, have it re- be maintained as a voluntary action. Oh, right. Yeah, I mean, forcing somebody to carry a firearm, nobody is talking about that. Nobody no. wants people who don't want to have a gun to have a gun. So let's no. set that, let's be perfectly crystal clear about that. When we're talking about arming school staff, it is not a mandate. Exactly. No, that's exactly right. It's a completely voluntary choice. And so using that, uh, I dropped the House File 3286, uh, creates an enhanced permit to carry. And so the the background uh, is, when you survey the landscape of the nation, we can see the 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 unfortunate targets that these uh, those who are intent on performing evil acts choose they choose shopping malls 
movie theaters, nightclubs, churches, and schools. Right. And the one thing these all have in common is they have a real or perceived, uh, they are a real or perceived gun-free zone. Right. That's the common thread. And so history demonstrates, as we mentioned, uh, the, the containment and force. And children are our number one asset. Each and every one of us, it doesn't matter who you are, uh, what your background is, we want to protect our children. And so the, the permit to carry, or the enhanced permit to carry bill, it uh, starts out with a person must first have a standard permit to carry. That's, okay. that's the baseline. The person must be a school staff member. They must complete an enhanced training course that includes active shooter training. Then, following the same procedure, the process that people are familiar with who have a, a standard permit to carry, which is to s- submit an application at their uh, sheriff's office of their county of residence, pay an application fee, uh, have, uh, submit to a background check, check and be successful in passing the background check. And then, upon completion of that, they would be issued an enhanced permit to carry that would be good for 12 months. And then if a person wanted to renew that, they would have to go through the training once again, submit to the background checks, uh, pay the fees, submit the application. And then the difference between the enhanced permit to carry and the standard permit to carry is that unlike the current standard permit to carry, where uh, permission needs to be granted, written permission from the principal or superintendent, uh, this one uh, with that additional training would not need to uh, seek the permission or have the permission. They would be able to do it without the permission. It's like a don't ask, don't tell situation. It's effectively. Or, as I've described, going from a may issue to a shall issue. Right. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. I like that you've added in that extra training there. Not necessarily because I think it's going to... When you're in a self-defense situation, you revert back to your just basic mastery, whatever you've mastered. But you are cutting out their chief... Uh, talking point against arming school staff and that's that they're untrained you know that they don't know how to deal with those situations so kudos to you for getting that language into the bill i think that's going to that that takes their top talking point right right out of the conversation Mm -hmm. my wife is a is a maintenance worker for uh, for uh, public schools and her coworkers would love this opportunity. You know, uh, not every teacher would want that. That's fine. But can you imagine having a janitor in, in public schools that who has access to the whole school can pop out of nowhere, uh, and knows every nook and cranny of the school and can, it can respond with force within seconds. I mean, what what mass shooter would choose a school knowing that that's that's the climate that they'd be entering into? I I think it's brilliant when we get rid of the gun free zones. That's what the threat is. It makes it a less attractive target for people who want to inflict mass harm. You know, and, and you just hit on something extremely important, and that is uncertainty is one of the greatest deterrents. Right. And so when people are committing these evil acts, they have the confidence and they are nearly certain that people, their victims, will not be able to defend themselves. That's why these targets are selected. And so that's uh, very critically important is the uncertainty. All right, Mike, uh, we've got a call. Mike, we've got about a minute, and all of it's yours. I can be brief. So, you know, I believe everyone has a right for their own self-protection, and I believe in the Second Amendment. What is, to me, a... Uh, a riddle inside a mystery wrapped in an enigma with the liberal mindset and the gun-grabbing crowd is their failure to really grasp human nature 
Because if you could effectively remove all the guns, take all the guns away, nobody can buy any guns, how do you deal with criminals, people who ignore your laws? Can, can a liberal explain that to me? How are we going to keep our families, our children, our institutions safe when you have groups of individuals that do not believe in the law and will perpetrate violence upon people? Because that's never been effectively uh, argued to me how they're going to keep us safe when we don't have access to weapons. All right. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point, Mike. Uh, I, I know you wanted a liberal to explain it to you. I think you, this, this there's no liberals in this room to do that. But no, you you do raise an excellent point that uh, we we when when we're seeing all this gun control legislation, we are seeing people who think that if only there was one more law, that then this could have been prevented. You are dealing with people who make it a course of their life to avoid obeying laws. And we think that there's another law that we can pass. It's just an asinine way of looking at it. It's illegal to commit homicide, yet I'm going to commit homicide. But if you put that universal background check law in place, by God, I'm not going to go buy that gun. Well, and we and we see this with you know with drugs, you know, with the opioid crisis that we're dealing with. It's illegal to sell your your uh, pills to somebody else. It's extra illegal. It's they've they've strengthened penalties. They've reinforced it. They've added more penalties. They've made it felonies at the state and and federal level. People still do it. It's what it, it, you, if you want to address crime, you have to take hard action on the people who are committing it and not try to catch a cast a wider net catching a bunch of law-abiding citizens and letting criminals sweep right through 651-989-5855 twin cities news talk am 1130 and twin cities uh will be joined uh, continued by with uh representative eric lucero right after the break i live back in the wood you see Woman and the kids and the dogs and me. I got a shotgun, a rifle, and a four-wheel drive, and a country boy can survive. So, Stan, I gotta know: Do you just know all of these songs that have references to firearms, or are you just uh, googling it and, and throwing them on there? Google is a great thing. All right, man. <laughs> but I know most of these. Yeah, I. I, I, I it seems like you would. Uh, I, I believe that. I believe it when you say that. I grew up on this song. Yeah. Welcome back to Twin Cities News Talk, the Sue Jeffers Show. I'm Rob Dore. And I'm Brian Strauser. And with us today uh, from the previous segment is Representative Eric Lacero talking about the teacher and staff carry legislation that Eric has authored in the Minnesota legislature. And if you want to be part of the conversation, 651-989-5855, we will get you on air. All right, so uh, actually, you know, I, I just saw a call pop up here, so we'll we'll take that one. Um, Rick, I think you've, you've got a good point here. Uh, Rick, about safe rooms at school. We'll jump into that with you here. Yeah, am I on? Yes, you are, sir. Okay, yeah, so I mean, I get, you know, armed guards and steel or uh, um, metal detectors and all that. I mean, it's pretty complicated, every kid going through the metal detector every day. So right, right. You know, why can't a simple thing be all the doors in the schools be changed to steel and a drop-down bar so that if something's going on, the kids scatter into these rooms, they drop the bars down, nobody can get in, 
and then we can deal with the shooter who's in the hallway. I, I suppose he could run into one of the rooms, too, but, I mean, I don't, you know... Yeah, Rick, you know, I, I get what you're saying there. There's no perfect solution. Uh, I, I think Representative Eric Lucero is addressing a point that we have, you know, there is some instance where counterforce is needed. And in the in the last hour, we were talking to Representative Randy Jessup, who mentioned these door, you know, security measures. And I think that's that's something that has to be part of a comprehensive plan. But at some point, you need counterforce and you need counterforce quickly. And I think the way that Representative Lucero has positioned the legislation is that the school will will be able to get a grant to do the physical security assessment, and then they'll be able to determine what the right steps are for their local school district rather than dictating at a state level what needs to happen from school to school. These, these solutions are going to be different from school building to school building and school district to school district. Right. And, you know, we, we are mandating that, uh, that students attend these schools. It seems that it's incumbent upon us as government, us, I, I'm not government, but it's incumbent on us as society. If we're demanding that students go to these government schools, if that's a government mandate, that the government is responsible for protecting them. And, you know, oh, you got to hit your on button there. Sorry. Oh, sorry <laughs> about that. So I, I, the caller brought up another uh, critical element that I think is important that we be cognizant of, and that is, the environment, the climate that we want our children to go to school in. And so imagine a situation, I know that there are schools today across America, some schools, I should say, that, that have metal detectors that all the children have to pass through. But imagine going beyond that and having bulletproof glass everywhere, doors, uh, bars that come down, as he was suggesting. We have to recognize that we don't want our children to be in a scenario where that's what they have to, it's, it becomes a prison. At yeah, that going to school every day at prison, you know. And, and that becomes ingrained. Our children, obviously, at that age are forming their personalities. They're forming their, their worldviews. And I think that's why we, we want to do the best that we can to be in the background, to be invisible, to have these measures of protection that aren't on the forefront. And, so that's that's one of the things that, that my bill would allow is, is well, and this isn't anything new. Your your bill is is expanding something that already exists, right? That's exactly right. Is that there are guns in school today? That's a misnomer. People, you know, I've received feedback from I, I you know, there's many different interest groups that grab on to these different uh, proposed uh, legislative bills, and they send them out as part of an email campaign. And part of the talking points that went out by some group was uh, it gave the the misleading uh, impression that we don't have guns now in schools and that this bill is going to allow for guns. Well, the reality is, under the current process, and it's been around for decades, that people can carry guns in schools with the permission of the principal and superintendent. And that is happening across Minnesota today. And all three of us know people in who there, have that. There type are of people in the room with that kind of permission. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Well, Representative uh, Lucero, uh, thank you so much for uh, for being part of this conversation, and uh, thank you so much for your legislation. Where can I assume you're running for re-election again? So, do you want to give out that information? Totally. So, my campaign website is ericlucero.com. Then I uh, also I would encourage people to look me up on Facebook. I I put a, a lot of stuff up on Facebook. I think it's very important that we as elected officials. In part, as part of our effort to persuade hearts and minds to to 
ha- make well. I have a video series called Making the Case. Yeah, I was, I was just going to mention that up. I love those videos, uh, those Making the Case videos. I think you just had one with Pete Hegseth. You do them with some of your colleagues, with experts, with professionals. Uh, yeah, mention a little bit more about those. Those are fantastic. So, so my objective with these videos is to do, you know, ideally three to five minutes. Uh, on narrow topics that uh, tries to counteract some of the talking points, you know, in the mainstream media and other venues that people are hearing, is to to allow what the facts are and to get them out in succinct and in a manner that allows people to to replay them if necessary and to share them with their their friends, family, and their spheres of influence. And so I encourage people to to send me a friend request on Facebook and. Uh, or otherwise go to my website. So great. Excellent. All right. Thank you, Representative Lucero, uh, for, for your bills, for your work. And, uh, it's, it's really appreciated. All right. So moving on, we, uh, were pointed to a story by, uh, by the, usually the authority in, uh, in, uh, being, uh, the substitute for Sue Jeffers, uh, Mr. John Gilmore. A huge fan of yours, by the way, Brian, in case you didn't know. I'm aware. <laughs> uh, uh, about uh, a Daily Caller article where it says the Obama D- uh, DOJ forced FBI to delete 500,000, that's half a million, fugitive records from the background check database. So this story from March 15th in the Daily Caller by Kerry by Pickett uh, essentially outlines a controversy and disagreement between the FBI and the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. The ATF, of course, is the regulatory and law enforcement agency focused on the firearms industry and firearms crime. The FBI runs the National Instant Check System, the NICS system, which is the right. firearm background check database. But they were using different definitions of what a fugitive was. The FBI considered any person with an outstanding arrest warrant to be a fugitive and therefore put them in the NICS system, half a million of them. ATF defined a fugitive as somebody who had an outstanding arrest warrant and was known to have crossed state lines. This dispute was settled at the end of the Obama administration when the Justice Department settled the dispute by siding with the ATF's more restrictive definition of a fugitive, and that meant that half a million people were removed from the National Instant Criminal Background Check System and became eligible once again to own a firearm. Amazing. So when we're talking about we need to strengthen background checks, we need to expand it. The Obama administration let half another half a million criminals, wanted criminals, just to be clear, just off off the hook. They got a lot of lot 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 off the hook. Well, and we we hear all all types of numbers that talk about the number of criminals that are stopped thanks to universal background checks or thanks to background checks. When you actually look at the number, they count somebody who has an initial deferral denial as suspension. Denial. Yeah, a suspended transaction. Yep you 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 stopped it. The fact is that the vast majority of those denials are overturned within a day or two. And then a, a good chunk more of them within a, a couple days after that. The amount of people who actually are caught by this, the ones who are referred to the ATF, to the FBI, to the Department of Justice, they don't even prosecute. Yeah, the number of prosecutions is absurdly low. It has been on the uptick during the Trump administration. Yes. Uh, uh, Jeff Sessions, the attorney general, has made this a prosecutorial priority of the department and the U.S. attorneys, 
but the number is incredibly low compared to the number of actual denials. And let's just be honest about this. Even if Jeff Sessions poured the majority of his resources into this, criminals are still going to find ways to circumvent the system. Right. They're not purchasing the gun shops anyway. Well, exactly. They're stealing we, them. We know that. They're stealing them. They're buying them from straw purchases. Yeah. Uh, wow. Time flies. We've got one more segment coming up after the break. If you want to jump in, 651-989-5855. We're going to be talking about Senator Scott Jensen and his betrayal of Minnesota gun owners you do after not, the break. You do not want to miss this. 651-989-5855, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Welcome back to the Sue Jeffers Show. I'm Rob Dorr. And I'm Brian Strausser. Thanks, you guys, for hanging on. We did save the best for last. Oh, did we ever. <laughs> so this is a real treat for those of you who stuck it with us uh, through the show. And I guess I, I apparently had slipped out that Sue attended her own funeral at some point. So I don't think she's Tom Sawyering it or Huckleberry Finn, whichever one it was. Uh, she is attending a funeral, uh, attending not her own. So thanks, Sean, for pointing that out. That was uh, that was rather funny. But let's get back into the meat of it. 651-989-5855 if you want to be part of the program we're going to talk about senator scott jensen senator scott jensen this past week introduced a gun control bill he he co-sponsored but he very proudly stood up at the front of a press conference and uh, presented it with senator matt little who's a democrat from the lakeville area and this these gun control bills were universal background checks which we've just been spending the last hour or so shooting holes in and no pun intended, uh, and uh, the some sort of thing that they think is going to stop straw purchases. It's the straw man bill, Rob. The straw man bill, even though it really doesn't address straw purchases directly at all. In any case, um, Senator Jensen, what's unique about him is he very actively sought our endorsement. He very much wanted the endorsement of the Minnesota Gun Owners PAC, uh, the PAC that Brian and I operate. And he filled out our survey. He said that he would oppose universal background checks. So this this is interesting that we have somebody who has stated that they would not only oppose it, they have now reversed position and are signing on to bills. He also said that he was going to support a number of program uh, pieces of legislation, uh, including constitutional carry or permitless carry. And not only did he say that he was going to support permitless carry or constitutional carry, but he was going to co-sponsor the legislation to do so. Right. And uh, what did he say in his press conference? I no longer... Yeah, I talked around it, but in his press conference, he said that he doesn't support that. And he doesn't support universal recognition of carrier permits, uh, something else that he's uh, committed to. So... he reversed position. Either either he reversed position or he lied to us in order to get uh, to get uh, the endorsement. Either way, we don't take kindly to that round here. Neither his supporters, his constituents, who are very much not happy about this legislation. And a little peek at his Facebook page comment section can uh, can confirm that for you. So we did have have the opportunity to interact. I met with Senator Jensen after this. He proceeded to lecture me for about ten minutes about why we should be accepted 
accepting of these uh, of these proposals and why we should be leading the charge. I would lecture you about gun laws because clearly you don't know anything about the politics or the subject matter at all. I'm, I'm very uninformed and uh, on on this topic. That's true. Um, but in the end, I just told him no. I said there is no version of universal background checks that we will ever accept. I the, thought that you were in there begging uh, <laughs> him to drop the bill on bended knee. Yes, yeah, that's that's my my motivation with uh, with. Uh, with senators that stab us in the back, I'm going to go to them and plead. No, I told them no. I said there is absolutely zero form of background checks that our members will support. Zero zilch nada. Your entire premise is flawed. We are not going to agree on this. You need to get your name off of the bill. He he left that meeting. He had uh, another meeting, uh, and uh, and we were we were done with that at that point. Uh, so we we. Very politely <laughs> uh, engaged our members to to let them know how he feels about that. Uh, Senator Jensen then got a very defensive about this. He did, in fact, uh, later in the week uh, or earlier this week, he appeared on a closing argument, Walter Hudson's show here on this station, where he appeared for was supposed to be a segment or two and wound up being, I think, about eighty minutes. Most of Walter's show. Most of Walter's show. Uh, Every single caller was opposed to his point of view. Um, but in particular, I got the opportunity to have the last call with Senator Jensen. So we're going to play a clip of that back-and-forth conversation between Senator Jensen and I. Stan? We'll give Stan a second to cue that up. I think we, we may have uh, sprung it on him at the <laughs> the last second there. Well, uh, well you know, so again, this is Senator Jensen. He was getting a... getting. Uh, calls from all of the pro-gun supporters. Uh, there was nobody who was on his side of the issue. And he he claimed that you were bullying him. And so that's that's what I found particularly interesting. All you did is just ask him what measures is he other measures is he going to backtrack on yeah i wanted to know what else he's uh he changed his point of view on and i think we're looking at an empty booth over there that's why stan doesn't have our ah. our, our audio clip for us uh that's fine so um yeah we'll we'll skip that if uh but uh what happened is brian calls uh calls into the show walter gets him on and said and brian just flat out asks what else are you going to backtrack on i think i made two points uh there the first one was that in his letter in communication around the legislation he used a quote from rob Right. And he used a quote, a quote from Chris Cox, who is the head of the NRA's Institute for Legislative Action, their lobbying group. And he used them as if we all somehow supported his gun control bill. And I told him that that was disingenuous and wrong right. to do that. And then I asked him what other things that he had changed uh, his position on. And, and he didn't answer the question and just said, well, I, 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 I feel like you're <laughs> bullying me. No, I'm not. I asked you a very straightforward question. But I think what he's not, what the senator is not understanding is I'm probably, you and I are probably the two most polite people he's going to run into on this issue. (laughs) When his constituents get a hold of him to talk about this, it's not going to be polite. It's well, not going to be civil discourse. They're going to be mad. And and don't mistake polite for pushovers. N- neither Brian and I are are going to sacrifice or or plea away or agree or concede any points on the Second Amendment or defending your rights. We just don't see any efficacy in yelling yelling at them or yelling into a camera, yelling on Facebook that they're you know they're 
you know, Nazis and their Hitler or, you know, whatever the case is that, that, that doesn't get us anywhere. I've said this before on our videos a couple of times and, and I'll mention it here is there are a handful of legislators at the Capitol who really understand what the Second Amendment is and understand its purpose. Representative Eric Lucero is a good example of that. Representative Jim Nash. Uh, there, there, there's, there's a handful of them that, uh, that we endorse that are A-rated people who understand it. There's a handful of them who think that every gun should be melted down and turned into sustainable windmills and, and uh, solar panel uh, frames. Because we care about the air in the soil in the ground someone has to speak for the trees and there and the vast majority of them are somewhere in between there and and that's where the danger is when we've got a legislator who really has never had any experience with firearms really doesn't know anything is is a novice when it comes to the issue that and they're being confronted with all of these facts, all of this misinformation, all these cherry-picked statistics from Moms Demand Action and Michael Bloomberg and uh, Americans for Responsible Solutions. They, they're getting that onslaught with Michael Bloomberg's millions and millions of dollars in the state. They start to wonder, well, you know, is this what my constituents are thinking? When I'm there, I can tell them, no, here's the actual information. Here's right. why that's a bad idea. They, right. they just haven't encountered that before. So it's, it's really important that we make every effort to educate our legislators. You guys are in a critical part of that as well. I can't do it myself. I'm down there every day, and I've made the challenge. If any of you want to meet with your legislator, but you don't feel like you're equipped to answer all their questions uh, on Second Amendment-related topics, I'll join your meeting. Send us a message. And I think it's important to point out that education with legislators only goes so far. It's clear that folks like Senator Jensen uh, and uh, Senator Paul Anderson, who's another Republican that has introduced gun control legislation. Um, education goes to a point, but they also need to understand that there's grassroots gun owners that are members and others who are going to get mobilized and get fired up and are going to apply appropriate political pressure to make sure that their voices are heard and try to get their point across to, to get off of this type of legislation. Right. And one such opportunity of that for you is you can uh, join our rally on April 28th at 12 o'clock to 2 o'clock at the South steps of the minnesota state capitol building that'll we're gonna have thousands of people there uh it's gonna be a great event so mark your calendar for april 28th make sure that you're gonna be there to let your voice be heard um you know i, I i've said i'm down at the capitol every day uh this is a really unusual year for us. It's an election year. There's a lot of Republicans who, who need a little bit of support, need some love. If you've got a representative or a, you know, a senator who you think represents you pretty well, just send them a message and just say, you know, I, I know you're under a lot of pressure to do something. Look at school safety, but stay away from gun control. Those kind of messages will, will, Help them realize that it is not just the auto met, auto sent messages from Michael Bloomberg filling up their inboxes. Let them hear from their real constituents, from you, from your neighbors, from your friends. Help them get that reinforcement that they are on the right track and they need to stay firm. Focus on school safety and get you don't fall for this gun control agenda. And it's important also, I think, to help them understand that the politics of this issue around doing something is not going to help them at the upcoming election. No. Moving to the left, if they're a Republican, which was who we're probably talking about here, and they're shifting left in hopes of taking on more of a gun control approach and, and somehow bringing in votes from the left, that is not going to work. 
It will alienate their base on the right. And the folks on the left are never, ever going to vote for a Republican. No, it will not help them. You're going to make a a handful of people slightly less mad at you on one topic, and you're going to sacrifice the people. And this is a midterm election. The number one factor for conservatives in a midterm election is turnout. And if you start bailing on, on these conservative principles, you won't get reelected. They will not come out and vote for you. Yeah. This, 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 and the pro-life issue are the two <laughs> things that motivate GOP voters more than anything else. And that's a great point. There, there's, there, you, know, you hear all these statistics and everything about depth of passion. There are a lot of issues which people will say, oh, I support this, I support that, but have a very low depth of passion. Second Amendment is, is one of the top things with the most or the deepest, I guess you could say, depth of passion. People will not vote for somebody if you do not support their Second Amendment rights. So once again, the big rally, April 28th, 12 o'clock to 2 o'clock, sponsored by our organization, the Republican National Committee, Minnesota GOP, and the National Rifle Association. Yep. And uh, swing by the Minnesota Weapons Collectors Association show at the State Fair tomorrow. We will. I will be there. Uh, pick up a shirt. Pick up a button. Pick up a hat. Oh, I, we don't have hats yet. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it, thank you guys so much. Uh, it's been an honor to be here. Thank you, Representative Jessup. Thank you, Representative Lucero, for your work, for coming on the show, for explaining yourselves. Learn more about us at gunowners.mn or on Facebook, facebook.com slash gunownersmn. Take care, everyone.